Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome back. Today, we have a returning guest and this time... He's not going to be talking about Ned Kelly. Yes, I'm talking about Bruce Johnson. He's going to be talking about his passion and his passion for traveling on cruise ships. Bruce travels the world on cruise ships all the time. So today he's going to tell us about how he does it and his tips and tricks on how to get some cheap cruises. Welcome back, Bruce. Hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. I'm happy to have you back. This time we're going to be talking about something totally different than last time we we met. Oh, yes. Yes. Cruising around the Pacific. Cruising. Now, how many cruises have you been on, Bruce? Ah, well, at the moment I've uh, done 11. Uh, My first cruise was in 1984 on the old Oriana. Wow. That would have been before cruising was big in Australia, wouldn't it? Oh, it was. Yes, that was uh, that was really a, a long, long time ago. Uh, cruising has really taken off in Australia. Uh, they're averaging about uh, one million passengers a year at the moment from Australia. It is a good way to travel for people that aren't into repacking, packing, moving, all of that kind of stuff. It's a good way to see countries, isn't it, without having the stress Oh, most definitely. You only have to unpack your suitcase once and uh, everything's supplied. You don't have to worry about drinking and driving. Do any of them have alcohol included in the price? There are optional packages that you can get. For example, you can just get a very simple uh, package that you can uh, get uh, soft drinks, things like that, soft drinks and coffee. And then you can go to the extremes, which cost you about $100 a day. Uh, which gives you uh, basically unlimited alcohol. Uh, Some of the European cruises, you can pay to have your alcohol included as part of the um, ship cost, but mainly in Australia, it's an optional extra. Okay. All right. $100 a day. Wow. Can you do it where you just buy it for one day or two days? Is that an option? No, no. um, You have to buy it for the whole time you're on the cruise. Yes, uh, yes, but I, I, I just buy as I go. Mm. The, the problem with the packages is when you really look at it, if you're on a 10-day cruise at $100 a day, that's $1,000 worth of alcohol that you're buying. Mm, it's a massive amount. It is. So to really get good value, you have to drink a lot every day. Yeah. But when you're doing a shore tours, things like that, You've got to drink a lot of alcohol in a very short amount of time. It doesn't really work out. So really, at the end of the day, just buy as you go, I reckon, is is the way to do it. Mm, I agree. That sounds like a much better option. But how much are the drinks when you're buying as you go? Are they like $20 a drink? Some of the really upmarket whiskeys will cost you, you know, quite a few dollars. But generally, the cocktails are around about $12 to $16.00. Can of beer is about six dollars. Soft drinks only about two dollars fifty. Okay, so it's definitely value for money to just buy as you go. Most definitely value for money, just buy as you go. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so you've done eleven cruises. Have they all been around Australia? Well, I've travelled around the Pacific 
well, the one that I did in 1984 was the furthest one that went to American Samoa, uh, but we also went to New Zealand, um, Fiji, uh, and all the way out to American Samoa. Um, they don't tend to go that far these days. It, the company is tending to do shorter cruises of only about uh, up to maybe 12, 14 days these days. Mm-hmm. But can't, you can still get some cruises, can't you, that go all the way to Europe or around the world? Yes, you've got a, a big choice there. You can do what's called a repositioning cruise. Uh, a lot of the ships come to Australia just for the, the summer season and you can do a repositioning cruise um, from Australia back to America, for example. You can go up to uh, Singapore, Japan, places like that as well. And then if you really want to do the round-the-world cruises, they're roughly about 110 days. Wow, that's a long time to be on a boat. It's a heck of a long time. That That's fine for some people that love to do cruising on a continuous basis, but one popular way of doing it is do a, a fly cruise. For example, you'll fly to Singapore. Uh, you may do 10 or 12 ports over 20 to 30 days uh, and then fly back to Australia. That's a very, very popular way of doing it, especially around Europe, places mm. like that. Bruce, can you talk about the ships that you've been on and what companies you've been with? Uh, yes, mainly been with uh, the P&O company. Carnival uh, is, a, it is the, the major company that owns about 110 ships and they own a P&O, uh, they own uh, Carnival ships themselves, uh, Royal Caribbean, Princess. Oh, so it's all the one company? Very much the, the one company. They own about 110 ships. And the cruising is a big, big business. It's about $54 billion a year. Wow. And, and, and they're continually buying and selling ships. The, uh, yeah, the original ship that I was on was the original Oriana. That was in 1984. And I've been on the Pacific Jewel, the Pacific Pearl, Pacific Aria, Pacific Dawn, and the Carnival Legend. And in October, we're going to experience the Pacific Explorer. And at the moment, I'm aiming to get as many days at sea as possible. I'm, I've got about 115 days at sea so far, and I'm trying to get up to 150 so I can get into the Captain's Club. What does that mean? What's the Captain's Club? Captain Club is uh, just a, a passenger club run by uh, Princess Cruises, and the Captain's Club has uh, various levels, and the, the, the top level uh, gives you a few perks, such as priority boarding. Basically like a frequent flyer program, but for boats. Yes, it is. That's exactly right, yes. But that's only for Princess Cruises. Oh, it's not for all of the other companies. No, no, and I don't understand why, but it's only for Princess Cruises. So aiming all my cruises towards that at the moment, mainly been uh, with uh, P&O. Okay. I have done one cruise, and that was through the Caribbean from Miami in America, and that was amazing. I didn't think I would be able to cope because, as I've said a thousand times, I get really bad motion sickness, and I thought, "Mm, me on a boat in the water, uh, sounds really bad, but it actually wasn't as bad as I thought. I thought I was going to be sick all the time. There was only a few times where I did have to take some motion sickness tablets, but other than that, I was shocked with how smooth it really was. I didn't even notice when we had left port. And then we looked and we were at sea. I didn't even know we'd left. 
Uh, yes, it, it can happen sometimes like that. I've been on two cruises where all the way from Australia to the islands and back was just like glass, absolutely like glass. However, on other cruises, we've been in five, six metre swells. Oh. <laughs> that really makes the ship move around. Don't let anybody kid you. A, a 90,000 tonne ship can just bob around like a cork out in the Pacific. Yeah, which is why I haven't done a cruise around here because I do think, I mean, being in the Caribbean, it's quite smooth. It's not, you're not in massive rough sea like we have around Australia. So that's been the reason I haven't done it around here because I do have that image of being <laughs> a cork in the ocean. Oh, yes. Yes, and that happens. And and the weather, weather is very unpredictable in the, in the Pacific as well. There's a, a real rough patch just before New Zealand that generally makes people uh, very ill. But uh, in January this year, in January 2018, I did a cruise uh, from Melbourne around the Pacific and come across this lady. We were only about halfway down Port Phillip Bay and the ship was not moving at all. And come across this lady and she said, oh, I'm starting to feel seasick. (laughs) And the ship wasn't even moving. So I don't know how she ended up out in Bass Strait. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, that's probably me too. I'm probably that person that everyone looks at and thinks, why are you feeling sick when there's not much going on? But uh, like I said, I did a lot better than I thought and I loved it. I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. I loved the entertainment. Is the entertainment different on every ship? Do they have different target audiences? Uh, it does vary a little bit. Um, on the, the P&O ships, uh, they have uh, nightly entertainment and they also have entertainment during the day. But mainly the, the, the main entertainment at night is, is, is a show. What kind of show? Uh, singing and dancing type of show, uh, that, that, that type of entertainment. They also have uh, adult entertainment sometimes. They'll have a... Bruce, what, what do you mean by adult entertainment? They'll have a, uh, a comedian. Tell, oh, okay. Yep, good. Mm-hmm. Who, <laughs> who will tell rude jokes? So. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, I wasn't sure where you were gonna. What kind of boats you've going. been on? <laughs> no, no, I don't know what kind of boats you've been on, Bruce. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the entertainment does does change a little bit depending on uh, which company that you're with. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we did have a comedian on our boat and he was fabulous. I can't remember his name now, but he was really good. And yeah, it was aimed at adults. Obviously there was no children in there because he was, he was swearing a lot. And but yeah, it was good. And they did have a nightclub as well. Do they all have nightclubs? Uh, yes, yes. They all have uh, nightclubs, entertainment types of things like that. Lots of pubs, things like that. Yes. So there are different things for different age groups. So I want to go to a club. Great. You might not want to go to a club. There's a bar you can go and sit at. Yes, that's right. Uh, there are Generally, there's some quiet bars around uh, the, the ship or there can be uh, nightclub type entertainment as well. It just depends a little bit on which ship that you're on and which company that you're with, yes. What do you find are the biggest differences? When you're choosing which ship to go on, do you go by where it's going to or the type of ship that you're going on? Well, for us personally, uh, we cruise uh, just for the destinations. We, we love to snorkel. We love to see the fish. We love to see the coral. It, it's a totally a, a personal choice. It depends on how you view your cabin. For us, I just look at a cabin as somewhere to sleep, but other people like the glitz and glamour of the very expensive 
more upper market ships. Uh, but for myself, I'm just quite happy with a, an ocean view cabin uh, that's comfortable. So you don't like to be down under the water? Well, I've, I've, had, I've had a few internal type cabins. I've also had some mini suites as well. It just depends on what you're looking for. I've stayed with P&O because P&O cruises, for example, you can do for the, for the cost of a P&O cruise, uh, you can do two P&O cruises for the cost of one on, on Princess, for example. Okay. Or if you cruise with Cunard, uh, you can do, do four cruises for the cost of what it costs on, on Cunard. So that, that's the Queen Mary, et cetera. So, yeah, it's, it's a really hard thing. And it just boils down to uh, what people's preferences are. And budgets. And their budgets as well, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, the carnival one we did, I can't remember. It was a few years ago now, but we ended up, I can't remember how much it cost extra to, but we had a balcony. Yes. And it was good. I think I would have got quite claustrophobic if I was in one of the smaller rooms that didn't, some of them don't have windows at all. No, the internal ones don't, no. I don't think I could cope with that. Have you been in those ones before and you found it okay? Yes, yes. Um, my um, first cruise in 2014 was in cabin 6133 on the Pacific Jewel and that was an internal a cabin right at the front of the ship and that, that was quite fine. Okay. I was told to get a room in the middle of the boat if you do get seasick because it doesn't, you don't feel the rocking as much. Have you found that you notice the differences depending on where your room is? Oh, absolutely. I, I get seasick myself and I have some really good medication for that. What do you take? I imported some medication from America and I think it's called Malcazine and it works very, very well. There are probably four or five different medications that you can take for it. Mm, I often use Travel Calm, but I think Australia has stopped getting the good Travel Calm and now they only have one that is from natural, so ginger. And I find personally it doesn't work. I need to have the one that has other ingredients in it that help. And most of the time they knock me out. Do you find it knocks you out as well? Yes, it does. Uh, I generally take it at night time so you can sleep off any side effects. And then you can uh, walk around, you can walk around the ship the next day without too many side effects. There's no point in being uh, on a ship that's moving around and you're feeling really groggy at the same time. Oh, <laughs> that did happen to me. I had to, t it was, the boat was really rocky and I was feeling that I was, mm, I might actually be sick. I've got to take something. And I did. And then we went to, it was the final night, I think. We went to the big performance and I actually slept through the whole thing. I woke up to clap at the end. My friend was looking at me. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, that was fabulous. And I'm an actor, so I really like to watch performances. And I was really sad that I missed it. And I felt bad that I slept through someone else's performance. I would hope no one ever did that to me. And I would hope I wouldn't do it to them. But it wasn't <laughs> my... It was the travel calm. <laughs> yes. Yes, it will knock you out if, you, uh, if you're not careful. Also, if you mix alcohol and, and uh, seasickness medication as well together, that can really knock you out. It, it will just make you sleepy? It won't make you extra drunk? No, it doesn't make you extra drunk, but it makes you very, very sleepy. When I'm seasick, I like to be alert, mm. not, not under the influence of, of the medication because it can make you very, very, very sleepy.
but just with the with the cabin there, the, the last cabin that you really want is at the extreme ends of the ship. Uh, they just pitch around something shocking, and some people love it. Some people absolutely love it, but for me, uh, when the deck is pitching up and down uh, several metres at a time, uh, that's not for me. Oh, no. And so if you happen to get a room, do you always get to pick the room that you want? It depends on the website and when you pick it. I have subscribed to about 12 different newsletters from different travel agents. The advantage of that is they'll send you out all the information as to what specials are on, etc. Generally, you can choose your uh, cabin. As you get closer to the leaving date, they go into what's called a, a guaranteed mode, and that is you can choose a classification of cabin. You're not guaranteed which classification of cabin that you're going to get until your departure, and that's a bit of a pain because you don't really know where you're going to end up in that particular classification. Um, so it's a bit of a, a roll of the dice. But this guarantee generally starts around about a month before that the ship departs. But prior so to So you can't pick your cabin that close to departure. Is that what that means? Yes, yes. They they, they take that feature away from you about a month before departure. Yes. And then you're just given whatever's left, basically, what everyone else hasn't selected, which more than likely would be the end. It could be, yes. And then what happens if you do end up really sick? You can't ask to be moved to another cabin? Sometimes you can. It depends on how full the ship is. Okay. It depends on, on who you strike at the reception at the time, whether they feel sorry for you if you're chucking up all over their counter they might feel sorry for you and (laughs) (laughs) and move you to another cabin it just depends on how full the ship is okay so tip if you really do need to be moved go vom on the counter and see what happens (laughs) yes but you didn't get that from me no no that wasn't us we did not tell you to go vomit on anybody's (laughs) counter (laughs) do it though might help you Yeah. yeah is there deals that make it more of an incentive to buy later, like last minute or say lastminute.com or something like that. Does that work for cruising as well? Oh, there's quite a number of websites uh, that you can uh, book through. For example, if, if you just jump onto Google, put in um, search cruises from Sydney, for example, it will throw up hundreds, literally hundreds of travel agents that deal with cruises. One of the the best value cabins that you can get is what's called a last-minute guarantee cabin. It is a little bit of a gamble, but you can get some excellent deals within the last two to three weeks before departure, and they're really good value. It's just that you don't know exactly where you're going to end up. But all the websites will have these last-minute cruises. Uh, Sometimes they'll have some really, really good perks to it. You might get Onboard credit, for example, you might get priority boarding. You might even get a, a dining or a drinks package thrown in. Isn't the dining included on a cruise? Uh, yes, there is. Generally, depending on which ship that you're on, you'll have a main dining room. You'll also have a buffet as well. Then you'll have your specialty dining as well, where you actually have to pay extra to dine in the, the specialty dining areas. Oh, yes, we did do that one night. We went to the steakhouse, I think, and the the meal was phenomenal. It was beautiful. We 
generally dine just in the main dining room, but some of the specialty uh, dining areas, uh, you can pay up to $50 a head and people that have done it say, yeah, the meal has been fantastic. Mm, we only did it once. I don't remember which night it was, but it was it was really beautiful. We really enjoyed that meal. And the meals in the dining room were really good as well, though. I thought they were all lovely. Oh, yes, we've had some excellent meals in the main dining room. And one thing that people don't actually realize is you can order more than one meal. You can order more than one dessert. So if you have a meal that you really like, well, you can have it two or three times if you wish. I didn't know that. So uh, the waiter comes to the table, they take what you want, and then if you like it, you can say, can I have another one of those? Exactly right. Can I have some more, sir? <laughs> oh, I didn't know you could do that. It's a good way of sampling all the desserts as well. <laughs> so does that mean you normally come back from a cruise a couple kilos heavier? Oh, it has happened in the past, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, there is so much food. I know our one that we're on, it had a pizza station and these were available all day. Oh, yes. On the carnival ships, uh, for example, the carnival legend that we were on, uh, they had 24-hour pizza. They also had 24-hour ice cream as well. Yeah, ours did. Ours was carnival. Uh, The other ships not like that? No, no. Uh, For example, the Pacific Jewel that mainly uh, just has... Uh, the buffet, the main dining room. Uh, in between, you can go and pay. For example, you can buy a hamburger, chips, things like that at one of the little foodie-type places. Oh, but you have to pay for it. Yes, you have to pay for it, yes. Otherwise, so are these cruises with that company you just mentioned, are they cheaper cruises than, say, Carnival because Carnival has the higher price and that's why they have more things included? That's exactly right. Okay. There's a bit of a pecking order. P&O are the cheapest. Then you have Carnival, followed by Princess, Royal Caribbean, and then uh, Celebrity Cruises. So Celebrity Cruises are the most expensive? Uh, Celebrity and also Cunard as well. They're very expensive. Okay. So they have more luxury boats or ships. Yes. I should call them ships, shouldn't I? They're not boats. Should call them ships, yes. Yeah, the captain gets upset when you, don't, when you, when you call his boat a ship. <laughs> When you call it a ship a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we met a couple of the captains. One one of the little perks, if, if you stay loyal to a particular company, they do sometimes offer you extra little perks such as uh, cocktails with the captain and that's all good fun. So the captain just sits down with you and has a chat. Yes, yeah. Bit of a drink and a chat. Yeah. We've done that, done that twice. Yeah. That's a nice little perk. Oh, it's good fun, yes, yes. The cruise I was on, it was actually over New Year's Eve and it was pretty cool. We had a massive New Year's Eve party up on the deck. It was really, really awesome. It was a lot better than I expected it to be. I didn't think it would be, the party would be as good as it was, but it was really good. Have you ever done one over that time? I haven't done one over Christmas. We generally do cruises in uh, January and February. You mentioned earlier that the ships come for a certain amount of time, and then they go elsewhere. Yes, they do. Uh, P&O have two permanent ships, three permanent ships now in in Australia. Uh, Carnival have one permanent ship, but during the summertime, Australian summertime, uh, they will bring other ships in from different parts of the world. Okay, so our summertime in Australia is from December to February. So is it only that period? Uh, they, They will do it. 
couple of months each side of that. Okay. And they will include that as part of a, a relocation cruise, also part of a around-the-world cruise as well. They'll, they'll bring a ship here. They'll do quite a few cruises up through the Pacific or to New Zealand, for example, and then they'll do a relocation cruise back to uh, Europe or, or America. Okay, so there's a lot that do come from the US. There is still a lot that go, I think, all year round in the US, aren't they? Oh, yes, especially around the Caribbean, Yeah. Uh, up and down the coast, around Europe, uh, around Japan, Asia, Singapore. They go all the time, yes. Oh, so you can go to all those countries and jump on a cruise? Well, you certainly can, yes. I've been looking at doing one in the Caribbean myself. but Oh, you should. It was so good. We went to the Bahamas. We went to Grand Turk. Grand Turk was my favourite. Puerto Rico it was so good. Yes, yeah, they look like great destinations, especially for the beach because I love the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bahamas was beautiful. Yeah, we went out on a snorkelling trip. It was great. I, what is the snorkelling like around the Pacific? Absolutely excellent. My favourite island is Lafu. The coral and the fish there are just absolutely fantastic. A lot of the Pacific islands are having a little bit of trouble with global warming and uh, some of the coral is dying off, but the more uh, protected islands uh, still have some beautiful coral and some beautiful fish. Absolutely love it. Mm. And that's what drew you to going on cruises, was seeing these countries? Yes, the destinations is what drew me to the cruise. I, I, any more than two days at sea, I get bored. Um, I've got to find really something to do to keep me entertained, but any cruise that's got lots of destinations on is, is what I head for. Is there often times where you will be at sea for longer than two days without being off onto an island? Oh, yes. If you go, if you travel from Melbourne, for example, it will take you four days to get to the first island. Oh, wow. Through the Pacific. If you go to New Zealand, it's about three days, but if you go up through the Pacific, it's about four days before you hit the first island. And then you got four days back as well. Wow. that's a, So those cruises would be quite long cruises. Yes, they can be 12, 14 days. Yes. Okay. And how many islands would you be seeing in those days? They vary quite a bit, sometimes four, sometimes five, sometimes six islands. Okay. Depending on your duration of the whole trip. Yes. Yes. What's the best deal you've got on a cruise? The best deal I got on the cruise was the mini suite on uh, the P&O Pacific Jewel. It was up on deck 11. Every day we got extra chocolates delivered to our door by our cabin steward. And there were some extra little perks about priority boarding as well. Of course, it was a, a cabin with a, a balcony, so you could sit out on the balcony when it wasn't blowing a gale. Well, and, yeah, uh, we had a balcony too, but we couldn't go out there because it was so windy. That becomes a real problem. There's pros and cons for all these cabins. If you've got a balcony cabin, generally the only time you can use the balcony spaces is when it's not windy, which is generally when you're in port. Because what the problem is, if you're facing into a wind, you've got the speed of the wind plus the speed of the boat, which combines. So you could have a 40 or 50 knot wind blowing out there. Mm. <laughs> but uh, on a really nice calm day, it's, it's, it's lovely out on the balcony. Yeah, so for the price, I think that's something that you should look into is where the destination is that you're going to and if it's going to be in a suit, especially around the Pacific, most of the time it's probably rough and going quite fast, like you said. So you might not get so much enjoyment out of the balcony. That's correct, yes. You've, you've really got to look at, if you can possibly look at the weather, where you're going. There's another little catch with the balcony cabins as well. 
And that is the curtains tend to be very thin. The sun will come straight through the curtains right at sunrise. So you've got to take that into account that you could be awake very early in the day as well. Oh, which is not good if you've got a full day at sea. Yes, you need your rest, I can tell you. So when you're on a cruise, optional extras that you can do for your day trips on the islands, right? There are. There are optional uh, shore tours that you can do if you shore wish. Shore tours, yes. that's the name. So yes. do you book through the ship? Uh, yes, just book through the company. And I, I generally do that fairly early in the piece just to make sure that tour hasn't uh, sold out. Do you find that they're so much more expensive if you do it that way than just jumping on the island and doing your own little walk around? It costs very little just to go onto the island and, and do your own little walk around. Generally, they're, they're quite good value, uh, the shore tours that you book through the companies. Uh, we've done some great little tours. We've done the, the turtles at the Isle of Pines, done some snorkeling tours at various others. And recently, I did the Helmet Ocean Walk at Port Vila. And they put this big glass helmet on you and you walk along the, the ocean floor. It's absolutely fantastic. So it's kind of like scuba diving, but you don't actually swim, you walk. You walk, yes. They put this weighted, clear a glass helmet on, on your shoulders and it's all, hooked, it's all connected up to a hooker and you just walk around the, the ocean floor and uh, it's really great fun. How deep does it go? Uh, probably four to five metres. Okay. So do you do any other travel or you just predominantly like to cruise? Uh, mainly just cruising at this point in time. Generally what I do is I'll, I'll fly uh, up to whichever city that the ship's leaving from. If it's leaving from Sydney or Brisbane, for example, I'll fly up the day before, stay the night so you're actually there. And it takes the stress off you from actually travelling to the port where the ship's leaving. Uh, sometimes we'll go a day or two before and just have a bit of a look around, all the touristy things. Have you made a lot of friends on the cruise ships? Yes, yes. Um, people on cruise ships are generally quite friendly. They're there for a good time. And most of the time that we uh, chat with people is generally dinner time, lunch time, things like that. If you're going to a an event that's on the happening on the ship, uh, you'll be talking to people there. But generally during the meal times, um, you get to talk to uh, most of the other passengers. Do you have to sit with the same people every night at dinner? It depends on what your arrangements are. You do have the choice of having the same table at the same time every night. You can book what's called any time dining where you just simply wait for a, a vacant table, which I don't like. I, I personally just like to have tea at the same time each night. Mm-hmm. But also, if you go to the specialty restaurants, that'll be a different booking for you. So there are different arrangements uh, that you can choose. Because what if you get stuck with someone you don't like and you have to sit with them every night and it's a long cruise? Well, it did actually happen to us on the Carnival Legend. We ended up on a table of eight and there were some conversations that we didn't Really enjoy, and I'll give you a tip. Don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm, especially if you're going to be with those people every night. Exactly right, yes. So, yeah, we try not to uh, end up on big tables. Can you choose that, though? You can to a point. You've got to make your choice very early uh, in the cruise, and you make that arrangement with the restaurant people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is when you're 
selecting the crews, you yes. get to pick a lot of these things then. So you should really know what you want before you book. Oh, absolutely. Um, for first time, as I would suggest, you, you book your first cruise uh, with a travel agent and just do a short cruise, a two or three day cruise, just to see if it's your sort of thing. Uh, and then that'll give you a really good introduction to the restaurants, how the ship operates, things that go on. That'll help you make a decision if you want to take a long cruise. Uh, two to three day cruise is much, much better to have to endure if you don't like it rather than a, a long cruise. Like if your first cruise is a 12 or 14 night cruise and you don't like it, well, then you're stuck. You can't get off. Well, you can, but it's not a real good idea. Mm. Have you ever been sick on one of the ships? The first one I had in 2014, I got quite seasick. Uh, but since then, I've learned a few little tricks to make the seasickness uh, easier to put up with. But you've never had any other illnesses where you've had to – have you seen anyone have to be airlifted off the ships? Yes, several times, actually. I've heard that it's quite common. Yeah, uh, it can be. There's been several deaths as well. Yeah, why is that? Uh, it just seems to be wrong place, wrong time. And do you think it's also because it might be an older demographic? Oh, yes, most definitely, yeah. But it's it's quite easy to break a leg on a ship as well. I've seen that happen. I find that the decks are quite slippery around the pool. I don't know why they don't have better surfaces. Yes, yeah, you're quite right there. They, they need to be much, much more uh, non-slip surfaces around the the pools. Yeah, I even slipped. I went for a good sixer. <laughs> oh, yeah. easy done. Yeah, easy. I got a clap. It was good. I got up and bowed. Oh, mm -hmm. oh yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a moment. <laughs> but I've come back with the onboard flu a few times, probably about four or five times. I've come back quite sick with the, you know, some sort of virus I picked up on the ship. Just seems to hang around the air conditioning. What's the best tip that you can give? Probably several best tips, really. Um, Give it to us. We want to hear. Right. What I would suggest is jumping onto Google and just simply Googling cruises from wherever town you come from, and that'll pop up with literally hundreds of sites. I would suggest that you subscribe to at least a dozen different sites to get their newsletter. But can't that be overwhelming? It, it is, but over time you'll sort the wheat from the chaff. You'll see which are good sites and which are bad sites. Do you have some tips of the good ones that you use the, the most so our listeners don't have to go through that process? I've, I've narrowed it down to about six different websites that I book through. And the reason why I do that is each website has its own good points and it has its own bad points. Once you start reading these, the, the newsletter, and also emails from the different companies as well, you'll see that they'll have their own the booking process. Some of the processes are really good and some of the processes are really bad. The good processes that I like is when you can actually do the booking completely through the website. You can see the cabins that are on offer and you can make the booking completely online. The really bad websites that I avoid are the websites that make you fill out a form, you send that form to that company, and then you wait for them to call you back on the phone. Oh, that's annoying. That is really, really annoying. However, some of the websites that do that might have a really good deck layout or 
they may show you the cabins that are available by a flashing dot on the deck layout. So I don't completely discount all the websites. It's just that some have really good features and some have really bad features. And you can only work that out by researching them all and seeing what appeals to you. Do you know the names of some of those those top six? Uh, well, I use Cruise First, Deck Chair Cruising, Oz Cruising, and Cruise Sail Finder. And I use various facilities within those websites to find the information that I'm looking for. Mm, that's a good start, though. I think that's a, a good place to go. So they will send you out deals for multiple different companies? Yes, they will. There's also flash sales as well. For example, one company will have a flash sale for two days and they'll offer you really good prices or perks as well. Uh, you'll get the one-day sales, you'll get end of financial year sales, uh, and then they'll have a sale just to fill up the cabins that they haven't sold as well. There's a, a multitude of different information that you will receive and once you become a passenger with one of the companies, they'll also send you things in the mail as well, uh, offers through the mail. And also, they'll offer you uh, upgrades to a different cabin for the same price as a lower style of cabin. And they can sometimes offer you onboard credit, which is a good one. The cruise that we did in January this year, we had $400 onboard credit. Oh, nice. What did you spend it on? Uh, mainly shore tours. Okay. And and a few drinks thrown in as well. You've got to carefully look at the offers that they send out and take advantage of it. Also, some of the ships, for example, the Royal Caribbean, they operate in American dollars and they also charge gratuities as well, which is do, tips. Do the other ships not do that? P&O in Australia don't. They can also offer um, free gratuities and an American dollar credit as well. So you've got to be careful with American dollars because when you're buying drinks and things like that, that can soon add up. Mm, especially at, for us, the conversion is not very good. No, especially it was about 72 cents the other day there. So you're looking at about 25% increase on, on whatever you're buying on board. So there's little traps. So not all of the ships use American dollars. No, no, not all. No. Um, How do you know that? Does it state that on the website when you're going to book? It does, but in very fine print. It's something you've really got to take note of. You do. You've got to be very careful with it, yes. Yeah, that can make a massive difference. Oh, it can. It can add 25% to the cost, easy. Yeah, and that's not just for your drinks. That's for tours as well, wouldn't it be? Uh, yes, yes. If they Shore trips? Yes, the shore trips would add up as well, yes. And the tips, I know with us, we just paid a prepayment for the tip and we didn't have to tip while we were there for that reason. But that could, that was really stressing me out because I didn't know were we still meant to tip even though we've paid this extra tip. I found that really stressful. <laughs> uh, it is stressful, especially for Australians because mm. we're, not, we're not used to it. No, we don't tip in Australia. No, no. With It's up to a, a, an on-board Tip at the moment's up to about 18%, wow. which uh, adds up very quickly. But if you prepay the tips, you don't have to pay anybody 
a tip. Yeah, during- I had to. I had to ask because I felt bad. I thought even though we've prepaid, because you know sometimes in restaurants in the US they do add the tip on, but then they still expect you to tip, to tip on them. top of that. And so yes. that's what we weren't sure if that's what we were meant to be doing or not. And yeah. No, we didn't have to. So that was good because I was really, I was really stressed because I didn't want to feel like I'm not being appreciative to the person that's helping me. Yes, it's a it's a difficult situation, and what you did was right just by asking, and you know they'll soon tell you. But then that depends on who you get, isn't it? If someone that might want a, a little bit of extra <laughs> cash in their pocket, they might say, actually, no, you should just give me a little bit. The company that you choose, are they good value for money? Uh, yes, I think so. As I say, I, I cruise just for the destination, really. If you want to get on a really nice ship that's got all sorts of glitz and glamour, you can you can do that as well. But at the end of the day, if you're just cruising for the destination, it doesn't really matter how you get there so much. But I find uh, P&O to be quite uh, quite good value for money, yes. Mm, okay. So they, they're your choice. is pr- So hold on, I'm a bit confused. Princess is the same as P&O? It's owned by the same company. Carnival own about 110 ships. Mm, okay. So when you're saying Princess, that's not P&O. Mm, it's, a, it's a different company, but it's owned by Carnival. Yeah. So the cruises that you need to do to get your days up is Princess or P&O? Both. both P&O. Oh, they're linked. Yes. The P&O and Princess are linked, but the other companies aren't linked to Princess. Okay, so you can do a cruise either with Princess or either with P&O and it will still go towards your days at sea. That's correct, yes. Okay. They're affiliates, like certain airlines are affiliates. Yes, yeah, the sister ships, yeah. Okay. Is there any other tips that you have? Uh, Definitely get travel insurance. Yeah, travel insurance is really important. I actually, to be honest, probably wouldn't have thought about that for cruising, but you're right. (laughs) Most important. Yeah, because if you need to be medivaced off, it's super expensive if you don't have travel insurance. Yes, well, even just a, a, a doctor's visit, we had occasion to visit the onboard doctor there at one point when we had a little accident, and that cost $150 for a five-minute visit, uh, but the excess was $200, so it wasn't worth uh, mm-hmm. wasn't worth it. But definitely get travel insurance. Uh, also, when you go on a, a shore tour, wear sunblock. And also wear a hat uh, because the sun is extremely strong at it in the, out in the Pacific. And it's quite easy to get kicked off the ship too, so don't miss the muster at the beginning of the cruise. What do you mean? Uh, about getting kicked off the ship, do you mean? Or Yeah. Oh, it's really easy to get kicked off the ship if you misbehave and play up and do silly things. So what, they just leave you somewhere? <laughs> uh, yeah, they'll, they'll kick you off the ship, literally, yeah. But you have to get your own way home. Correct, yeah. Have you seen that happen? I have, yes. Especially, what did they do? Uh, one fella jumped off the ship. He, he wanted to go for a swim. So oh. he went to, the, went to the front of the ship at uh, Port Vila and jumped off, and they booted him off the ship for that. <laughs> okay, that's valid. That's dangerous. Uh, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, stupid idea. Uh, also, drunk and disorderly, they'll, they'll boot you off the ship for being drunk and causing trouble. Also, if you miss the muster, what the muster is, they will go through the life-saving process, uh, an evacuation process. Uh, It's called the muster, and you must do that under law. And if you miss it, they'll boot you off the ship for that as well. Okay, so that's a definite must. And that happens when you first get on board? 
generally about an hour before the ship departs, uh, they'll call a muster, yes. Okay, and if you don't do that, boot, off you go. Oh, a real good chance they'll boot you off the ship, yes. And another good tip is do not be back late to the ship at port. You're given a time to be back at the ship. Do not be late. Again, do they just leave you? I have seen it happen back in 1984. They left a lady on shore at uh, at Tonga, at Nukalofa. She actually had a, a problem. She was actually mugged. <gasps> and she spent the afternoon with the police. We were all on board the ship and we were sailing away and we saw the, the police car come roaring down the wharf and the lady jumped out of the police car and she's waving her hands, calling out to the ship to stop, but we just sailed away. Wow. But these days they tend not to do that. Recently, once again at Port Vila, there was a couple got back very late to the ship. They were over half an hour late, and we were all up on, on the deck um, you know, just waiting for these people to arrive. When they eventually arrived, they, they copped a, a heap of abuse. Well, not abuse so much, but lots of cat calls and things. Booing. Booing, and that as, as they slowly walked onto the ship as though nothing was wrong, but they probably got a real real talking to for being back late. Because they were waiting to leave the port? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, we were well after the departure time. Wow. Uh, when these people turned up. Well, that's, they're kind of lucky. They should, In that case, maybe you think, well, if they're really taking it that slow, maybe they should have left them. Uh, another little tip, too, is travel light. Do not overpack. Don't have to take a lot of things on board the ship. You don't want to have a, a really heavy suitcase. A lot of the cabin stewards are only very small uh, people. Generally, they have trouble carrying around a 30-kilo bag, but also you is don't there a, Is there a weight limit? Uh, there is, 32 kilos. Okay, 32 kilos. Gee, that's a lot. <clears throat> it is an awful heavy bag. But also, you don't want to be carrying that around yourself. So I do suggest to people that they, they do pack very light. And you're not allowed to take any alcohol on board? You're not allowed to take your own alcohol. There's a, a ban on taking your own water for some silly reason. I don't quite understand it, but... Because then you have, do you have to buy water? Or... Yes, you, yes, you do at $5 a pop. So that's why you're not allowed to take your own water? Yes. <laughs> okay, so you're not allowed to take water, you're not allowed to take alcohol, bags at 32 kilos. Gee, that's a lot. And is that kind of standard of all the ships or does that vary? It varies a little bit uh, to the maximum weight. But like I say, you don't really want to be carrying a super heavy bag around with you. Also, you do have to be careful what you bring back as far as uh, touristy type things go. They, Depending on the type of wooden objects that you bring back, they may confiscate. Uh, shells, they'll confiscate at customs, things like that. You do have to be a little bit careful what you buy. So there is still a customs when you get back off the boat? Yes, there is, yes. When you leave, if you're travelling to the Pacific, uh, you, you will go through customs uh, when you board the ship and when you come back, to your port, you'll also go through customs as well. However, if you're travelling just around Australia, if you're just going up the coast, down to Tasmania, something like that, uh, there's no customs. Yeah, and do they stamp your passport? No, no. You, you can quite illegally go to the various ports and you will find in amongst the market stalls people that will stamp your passport, but generally there's no official passport to any of the ports around the Pacific. Okay. Uh, just talking about passports, if you are travelling outside Australian waters, you do need a passport that is valid past six months after your return date. Countries like 
Fiji are very strict on that. You need at least six months expiry on your passport. I know they do that for travel as well, and I still don't understand why you need six months. I can understand if you're going away for longer than six months, but if you're going for two weeks somewhere and there's still six months left on your passport, I find it ridiculous that you you lose six months. Yes, we've spoken about this with various other passengers and there's been various theories brought up such as if you put in the jail, like if you're arrested, uh, if you have some sort of medical episode, because you don't have a proper visa. If you're going to these countries and staying, uh, you need a proper visa. But if you're just a transit passenger on a ship, you don't need a proper visa. However, if something happens to you, well, then it's a it's a different situation. So that seems to be why they need the six months so you can do all this paperwork. Okay, I guess that would probably be the same with flying in case you get stuck somewhere. Gee, I wouldn't want to be stuck somewhere for six months. No, 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 it'd be something serious. You know, if you, you know, had some sort of medical episode, broke a leg or... It's your pal Corby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Keep your boogie board at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an Australian <laughs> woman yeah. that was put in jail in Bali for smuggling, what did you, what was it, marijuana? Marijuana, yes. Marijuana into her boogie board that she always said that she didn't know how it got in there and she ended up being in Bali for many, many, many years. Any other tips, Bruce? Oh, yes, the best duty-free is the big yellow duty-free shop at Port Vila. Why? Uh, because things there are just so much cheaper. If you want to buy bottles of alcohol there, they are about half if not one-third of the cost as they are in Australia. Ooh, but are you allowed to take them back on the boat? How does that work? Do they keep them? They do confiscate them and they give them back to you the morning of the day that you arrive back in Australia. Okay. Generally, uh, if you're buying alcohol from this uh, yellow duty-free place, uh, they will transport it back to the ship for you. Uh, They seal it up in plastic bags. I take it back to the ship for you and you go and collect it the day or the morning of the day that you arrive back into Australia. Also, if you buy duty-free alcohol or cigarettes uh, on board the ship, uh, they'll take them off you and once again, you get them back on the morning that you arrive back in Australia. Mm-hmm. I did find the duty-free shops on our ship. They were still quite expensive, but they did have some really beautiful things. I quite enjoyed walking around the shops on the ship. Yes, Um what I've found also is you know, a lot of the things that they do sell on board the, the ship shops, well, it's hard to say, um, are very nice things, very expensive, but it just depends on what you want to buy. But, yeah, they do have some good specials on watches and cameras and jewellery and perfume and things like that sometimes and can find some really good bargains amongst them all. I feel like I want to go on a cruise now. <laughs> this talk <laughs> has made me want to go cruising again, just thinking of – all that food and sitting, oh, yum. It was delicious. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I think if you've never done a cruise, I do think you should try and do what Bruce said. Go for only two to three days, see if you like it. And then if you do, then you can test it and go a lot further. I know they're huge in the US and it's starting to boom here in Australia now. And I really do think just book it, go, travel calm, take it, travel sickness if you get motion sickness and then you'll actually probably be really good as long as you're prepared i think it's when you're not prepared is when things happen oh yes yes being prepared is is the definitely the key point 
it's quite a bit of a difference in the size of the ships as well. Um, I found that the smaller ships, for example, the Pacific Jewel, which has about approximately 1,600 passengers, that's a fairly good crowd to be able to move around in, especially when you're waiting for a tender to go on board one of the one of the islands. Also, when you go into the restaurants to try and have a feed, if you have lots and lots of people, it becomes a problem. With the larger ships, I think the larger ship at the moment that's floating around holds about 6,800 passengers, which is an enormous amount of people. It's a lot of people. It is. And if you're waiting for a tender, waiting waiting to go to dinner, something like that, uh, I don't quite know how they're managing that amount of people, but I tend to go for the smaller ships. Uh, The Pacific Aria has something like about 1,500 people. And we notice quite a big difference between 2,000 people In 1500, it was a lot easier to get around uh, with a smaller number of passengers. So that's something else that needs to be uh, considered as well when you're uh, choosing your cruise. Mm, That's a really good point. In your newsletters that you see, have you seen any that are single people cruises for singles? Yes. um, Some of the ships that do operate mainly around Europe, um, sometimes in America, they will actually have dedicated single cabins. However, here in Australia, you can also pay a, a single fare. However, it's equivalent to a twin fare. Mm, so you're not really paying a single fare. It's not really a single fare. No, you're still actually buying a, a double cabin mm-hmm. and, and you're still paying for two people, but you've got exclusive use uh, to that cabin for yourself. Okay, so it it is better to go with somebody on a cruise. Oh yes, yes. If if you can find someone to uh, to go with a cruise with you, it you you get the the personal experience of sharing it with somebody. Uh, I've, I've been on two cruises by myself, and I found it a little bit lonely, even though you're amongst the two thousand other people. But if you can take a friend with you, uh, there certainly are advantages with it. Yeah, I was just thinking for single people, if there's 6,000 people and they're all single, that would be delightful. (laughs) (laughs) It would be. It would be, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was just, I'm sure there is a target audience and I'm sure there are cruises that are designed for single people. Maybe I've got to look into that. Maybe I'll get myself on one of those. Oh, there is. Yeah, there, there are actually single cruises designed for single people and also on normal cruises as well. Uh, you will see in the daily newspaper on occasion uh, that they'll have a meet-up just for single passengers as well. So they, they do cater for single people. Okay. All right. I didn't know that, but maybe I have to do that. Might be worth checking it out. Yeah. Yeah, could be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bruce, thank you so much for joining me again and talking about your cruising and your tips have been so valuable. It makes me want to jump on a ship and go for a cruise. So thank you so much for being back on with you every step. Oh, thank you, Michelle, for uh, having me today. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. 
We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, please email us at michelle at michellelee.com or head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.